0: Hi, welcome to Lambert Park Church. Our vision is life with God for the world. Our mission is to invite everyone to follow Jesus with us through redemptive community, intentional discipleship, and everyday mission. We're so glad you're here. Stay tuned for the podcast coming right up. Thank you, Aaron, for praying for me. I need it. Uh, Good morning, everyone. My name is Priscilla. I always enjoy hearing a little bit about people before they speak, so I thought this morning I'd do the same. Uh, My husband, Jamie, and I started attending Lambrick Park Church in 2017 after having moved from Edmonton. Since then, we've had two children. Luke, who is four, and Micah, who is four months old. That's them. Um, You might have seen Luke running around church Uh, And you'll hear me reference my kids a lot this morning, because that is the season of life I am in. Um, If you're wondering, no, I'm not a pastor. (laughs) I work as a nurse. I love my job. And I get to work alongside some incredible people in Island Health. But that part of my life is on pause for the next year, as I find uh, myself at home every day with both kids, as Jamie gets to go off to work. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, And whoa, like whoa, uh, it is something else. It is true. You, you don't know until you experience it yourself what a humbling, messy, crazy, hard experience it is to try to raise kids while we mothers are in process ourselves. There's beauty in it. There is, but it's messy. <laughs> so my prayers these days mostly go like this. God, I I need you. I need you every minute of every day, especially nap time and bedtime and trying to get out of the house. I I need you. But I also need coffee and a nap and probably a shower. <laughs> Uh, But most of all, I need you. And he has been so faithful, so faithful in this season of my life. So shout out to all you moms out there. You are seen. I also quickly wanna share that when we first moved to Victoria, Jamie and I checked out a few different churches and the first Sunday we came to Lambric, uh, we were warmly greeted by George and Edie, just at the back there, um, who the following Sunday greeted us again, but that time remembered our names. And that was what kept us coming back, like that Cheers song, you wanna be where everybody knows your name. Um, but transparent moment here, I am terrible with names, so please don't expect that of me. I try, I really, I really try, um, but it, I'm, I'm bad at it. But seriously though, I just want to say how much my family and I, we love this church. We are so thankful to be part of a community where we are loved, where we are prayed for, mentored, supported Um has been such a gift to grow in our love for Jesus and for other people here. Uh, So thank you, Scott and Simon, Kenzie and Aaron for your leadership. Thank you, church, for being our family away from home. And thank you, George and Edie, for remembering our names. Okay. If you're Newly joining us today, welcome. We are in the middle of a summer series we're calling Steadfast Songs, a journey through the songs of ascent, which are found in the book of Psalms, Psalms 120 to 134 to be exact. And in a nutshell, it is a collection of songs that the Jewish pilgrims would sing together on their ascent or journey up to Jerusalem, the holy city. They would do this three times a year for different festivals. If you're not familiar, A pilgrim is a person who travels a long distance to a sacred, holy place as an act of religious devotion. At the kickoff of this series, Scott talked about how Jesus himself grew up doing this pilgrimage with his family, with his community. These Songs of Ascent are like a road trip playlist, if you will. Each song a little different, and each Sunday this summer, we get to learn a new song what it means, and how it's still relevant to us today. Last week, Carly so beautifully led us through Psalm 124, cheering in the hard times. And this morning, we find ourselves in Psalm 125. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, feel free to turn here so we can read together. I'll be reading from the New International Version. Psalm 125, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous may use their hands to do evil. Do good to those who are good, to those whose hearts are upright. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. The word of the Lord. The plan for this morning is to walk us through this psalm from start to finish. I'll also share how God met me in the movement and in the verses of this song I've learned so much from it and I hope we all can too. I appreciate a good old fashioned three-point sermon, so I'll do this in three parts and I'll start off with the big idea. It's hard to trust in the Lord, but in Him we are safe, we are secure. Trust in the Lord. When I began to prep for this morning, I wondered what it really means to trust. So I did what any logical millennial would do, Google search, and I found this, trust. It means a firm belief or to firmly believe in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something, in our case, the Lord. If you grew up in church like I did, or even if you're a new Christian, I'm sure you've heard it said time and time and time again, Trust in the Lord. We say it often. You nervous about a test at school? Well, trust that God will help you remember the answers. Are you nervous about finding a job or worried about money? Trust that God will provide. What about your kids? Are you worried about them? Trust that God protects them. Are you sick? Trust that God heals. Trust Sometimes these statements though aren't really that helpful and it can almost feel dismissive or like an oversimplified solution to our really complex problems. Is is this what God promises? Now I wonder if God were to ask us today, do you trust me, how we would respond? At first I thought, no-brainer. I'd respond with, yes, Lord, I do. I firmly believe that you are reliable, true, able, and strong. But as I let that sit for a bit and reflected on areas of my life that are especially difficult, areas of my life where the outcomes are still unknown, my answer became not so sure. Verse one of Psalm 125 says that people who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken. Can we honestly say yes, that's me? Because the truth is we are quite easily shaken, often uncertain and insecure. And if we're honest, it can actually be really hard to trust in the Lord. It's hard to trust in Him, and as I reflected further on my life, I'll admit I I haven't always. So I think to myself, great. First verse of this psalm, and I'm already stuck. So I lingered here in verse one for a while, memorizing it, meditating on it, wrestling with it, and finally one evening, I asked God, why? Why? why is it so hard to trust you? And in a small, gentle voice, a kind voice, I felt him say, because you don't know me. Incredible how his kindness leads us to repentance and immediately I was reminded of Jesus' question to Peter in the book of Matthew. Who do you say I am? I still have a bit of time before Micah starts daycare, but when that time comes, there's what's called a gradual entry where the baby or young child who's new to the daycare centre comes with their parent. The parent stays for a couple hours, and then the following day they come back again, and that time they stay for half a day. Um, And then depending on how that goes, they come back again the next day, but this time the parent will leave the child at the daycare centre for a couple hours. And again the next day, we'll leave the child for half a day, and so on and so on, until the baby is fully adjusted. It's a gradual entry for the babies to become familiar with their new environment, to get to know their caregivers, to get to trust them, to know that they're safe. In the same way, Jesus invites us to come to get to know him. It takes time like any relationship it's gradual but the more we get to know him the more we trust in him and in him we are safe see left on our own we're pretty vulnerable but it's our trust in the Lord our knowing him that we are not shaken it's in him that we can stand firm immovable and he endures forever so he has time for our baby steps. Knowing this, how do we get to know a God we cannot see? Just a side note, this reminds me of my son. I was doing the dishes one evening and I look over at the dinner table and he's sitting there quiet, holding a carrot <laughs> in the air. And so I ask him, Luke, wh- what are you doing? And he goes, Mom, I'm feeding my vegetables to God. Oh, childlike faith. So how do we get to know a God we cannot see? What does this look like? For me, it looks like setting aside time to be with Him in silence, or if that's not possible, to talk to Him throughout the day. Talking to God, it's prayer. It's a discipline that I've learned in recent years to grow in, and I encourage anyone to do the same. There is so much power in prayer. When I got serious about wanting and needing to know Jesus, I'd start off my prayers mostly in the car while driving like this. Hey God, it's me. I'd talk to him like you would a trusted friend and in doing so I was slowly able to be more candid, more honest. It can be awkward at first, but with time it becomes natural and I actually look forward to it. I've learned that he can handle my venting, he can handle my ugly cries, my deep frustrations, my tantrums, my doubtful questions, my sheepish requests. In fact, God actually encourages this kind of authenticity. The prayers in the book of Psalms shows us just that, If you don't know what to pray or need some examples of prayer, Psalms is awesome. It's a prayer book, it teaches us how to pray. So talk to God, he hears us and he does answer. So listen. Another key way to get to know God is through the Bible. He gives us his word where he tells us clearly about who he is so we don't have to guess. We don't have to dig too deep or look too far to read about who he says he is. If you're curious about Peter's answer in Matthew, we read that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. What does Psalm 125 say about who God is? Well, we see that he is a God who cannot be shaken, a God who surrounds us now and forever. He is a God of justice a God of peace, he's the God in the psalm, the God who walked with Peter, the God who walks with us. I wasn't gonna add this, um, but I did feel it important to say that perhaps sometimes we allow our assumptions or negative experiences to create a false narrative or a distorted picture of what we think God is like. I'll give you examples, a painful relationship with a parent or an absent Father may cause, to, may cause us to see God in this light, or perhaps an unhealthy experience at church, we call this church hurt, may give us a negative, false idea, even turning us off from getting to know God because we associate those people or those experiences with him. May I encourage us to talk honestly to God about that, to ask him to show us the truth of who he is and I encourage us to look to his word, which is full of answers of who God is, a, a God we can trust. Eugene Peterson in his book, *A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, it's a classic, it's over 40 years old, it's a commentary on the Psalms of Ascent. He says, we learn to live not by our feelings about God, but by the facts of God. My security comes from who God is, not from how I feel. And this doesn't diminish the reality of our emotions given to us by God, but speaks to the steadfastness of the one who holds them all. So what are the facts about God? The Bible tells us a lot. But it doesn't stop there. When we take that knowledge and we apply it to our lives, opening our hearts to hear what God says, it moves from a knowing about God to an experiencing God, an experiencing of his presence, his goodness, his heart for us, and who we are in him. And with that knowing and experiencing, God takes it a step further, making us new, making us like him. That is evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And if you're not familiar with that, you could read about it in Galatians or watch last summer's sermon series on the fruits of the Spirit. Before we move on, it's important to note that we don't do this in isolation. We do this in community with one another uh, through going to church and learning from someone about the Bible, praying together, praying for one another, as Carly mentioned in her sermon last week, cheering one another on in this journey. Even the pilgrimage itself was done in community. It is a shared pilgrimage, and we are not meant to be on this journey alone. There's so much more that could be said there, but we need to move on to our second point. So let's go to verse two. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. My son, Luke, is really into Transformers right now. He took, he took these pictures. He has this collection of mini Transformers and he always needs to have at least two in his hand. It's really annoying. And really difficult to watch him try to do things with only one free hand. At the park, he can't hold on to the swings properly. He struggles to eat. Going to the bathroom is 10 times harder than it already is with a four year old because he's constantly just holding on to these toys. On top of that, he's distracted by them, always looking down. When we're walking through a parking lot, he's not paying attention. The preschool program we attend, he misses out on what's happening with his friends because he's always looking down. It's obvious that they give him a feeling of comfort of safety, but what Luke doesn't see that I do is what he's missing out on because of them. So let's pause and take a moment to ask ourselves, what are we holding on to that's getting in the way of seeing God around us? What are we turning to for comfort that's keeping us from experiencing true safety, true security, true freedom in Christ. Is it a focus on ourselves, what we want, what makes us happy, distracted by our careers or our money, maybe our relationships, even our families? None of these are necessarily bad things, but when it prevents us from looking up, when it prevents us from seeing and looking to the God who surrounds us, well, then our footing on this journey isn't as safe. It's not as secure. So what is it we need to surrender? Psalm 139.5 says, he goes behind us and before us. The Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. Let's do a quick recap. Point one, we need to know who God is to really trust Him and in Him we find that we are secure. Second point, when we put aside our crutches, our distractions, we're able to more clearly see that God surrounds us and in Him we're secure. Let's move on to verses three to five which then takes us to the third point. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous for then the righteous may use their hands to do evil. Do good to those who are good, to those whose hearts are upright. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evil doers. The Jewish pilgrims singing this song were no strangers to being oppressed by wicked people. They endured generations of oppression under wicked rulers. They endured slavery, wandering in the desert. They knew all about sickness and death, despair, persecution, war, and suffering all of which after all this time still exists today. Now these circumstances naturally cause fear, insecurity perhaps, maybe even a loss of trust in our God. These verses in the song, however, remind the pilgrims, remind us that the scepter, in other words, the rule of the wicked will not remain over the righteous. It's hard to trust in the Lord when we fear that He won't pull through, when we've been waiting so long for that answer to prayer but nothing, when it seems like the enemy has the upper hand or the pain and suffering we witness in others or experience in ourselves is too much. In it, we fear that God's not there. And in our suffering and impatience, we may be tempted to do as the Israelites did, take matters into their own hands. We may be tempted to turn to other mediums for answers, turn to other false gods, idols. But the psalmist in this song writes of the assurance that the Lord doesn't allow evil and in turn our suffering to go on forever. It will come to an end. I'd like to share a part of Eugene Peterson's commentary on this. He writes, if the evil fist is permanent, if there is no hope for salvation, then even the most faithful and devout person will break and respond in wrongful violence. It's from verse three. But God does not permit that to happen. Danger and oppression are never too much for faith. They were not too much for Job, they were not too much for Jeremiah, and they were not too much for Jesus. Evil is always temporary. The worst does not last Nothing counter to God's justice has any eternity to it. What we need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll always be there to help you come through it. He knows when to say, it is enough. I love this, and as I sat with it, I heard the Lord remind me that yes, He knows when to say it is enough, but to remember that He also said, It is finished. Jesus defeated sin and death through his blood shed on the cross, so we can stand firm, we can stand secure in this fact. The death of Jesus doesn't just mean the forgiveness of my sin, it also means that the things that cause me to be afraid, the things that keep me from trusting God will be undone because Jesus has conquered them when he took our sin our wickedness to the cross, died as a living sacrifice and rose again. And when he rose again, he told his disciples, he tells us, I will come again. We're not there yet, but as we wait for that time, we continue on this long upward journey towards him with confidence because of what he's done for us through the cross, such good news. A dear friend of mine shared this with me. We do not fight for victory. We fight from a place of victory. And knowing this, we have peace. The peace that makes no sense. A gift given to us through the Holy Spirit when we put our trust in Him. I love this next verse. Uh, Isaiah 26, three says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I'm gonna end with sharing a little bit of my story, uh, my experience with living on the other side of trusting in the Lord. Uh, In 2016, after my dad died, I was devastated. Devastated from losing my dad who was my best friend, but beyond that, devastated because I shut myself off from God and I spiraled into a dark despair. See, I thought I trusted you, God. I trusted that you would heal my dad. I trusted that you are the great physician. I trusted you for a miracle. I begged, I bargained, I read scripture, I fasted, I prayed, I surrendered, and you still took him. And as if that wasn't painful enough, You let him suffer. Why did you let cancer take over his body? What was the point in that he was a pastor, lived his life for you, had so much left to do here? Are you even real? And in that time, darkness seemed to swallow me up. Death seemed to have the upper hand. I experienced debilitating depression like never before. I couldn't see a way out of it and I had no reason to want to live. A few months afterwards, our pastor in Edmonton reached out to me through his admin staff. Pastor Keith reaching out to me was unusual and unexpected because Jamie and I, at the time, attended a really big church with thousands of members, so why would he think to meet with me? But I showed up at his office, cried my eyes out, confessed my mistrust and questioning of God's goodness and even His existence. And when I was done, I remember Pastor Keith asking something like this. You expected God to answer your prayers because you were good? Because you did all the right things? Priscilla, we, we can't earn answered prayers. <laughs> We don't earn God's favor over us. It's not a performance-based faith. It's all grace. He prayed for me, he pastored me, gave me book recommendations and encouraged me to lean in, even in my doubting. And after that, God began to slowly heal me and pursue me. One evening, I was encouraged by my sister-in-law to pray, to close my eyes and to ask God to show me where he was. I was skeptical because I don't ever see things. I don't really pray like that. I barely even dream, uh, but as I closed my eyes, she led me in prayer and God showed me. God showed me my bedroom where after my dad died, I spent all day and all night in bed in the dark, blackout curtains drawn, but in the corner of the room, I saw a light. He was there. Then I saw my living room where my dad and I would sing and pray and talk And in that same room, that light was there as well. In the kitchen, in the hospital rooms, he showed me he was there. He surrounded us, he surrounded me, even when I couldn't feel it, even when I turned away. He used others on the journey with me to pray for me and to trust for me when I couldn't. And through them, he drew me back to himself, gradually, showing me the truth of who he is reminding me that death is defeated through the cross, in which I find so much peace. Since then, it's been really exciting to come to know God more and to experience Him in really incredible ways. Every day, I'm learning about who He is and who I am in Him, which has provided a security to my life that has brought so much freedom. This journey of getting to know Him and trusting in Him is hard. We don't always want to, we mess up and we forget, but our Father doesn't forget us. He patiently waits with open arms for us to return, even praying for us, even interceding for us. The more we lean in and trust him, the more we'll know that he's trustworthy and in him we are secure. I thank you so much for your word that is true that speaks to who you are thank you that you are a God who longs to be in relationship with us God we ask that you would take what was shared this morning that we would be able to apply it and Lord that we would leave here just knowing more about you And continuing on in this journey together, this upward journey of knowing more about who you are, Lord, waiting patiently for you to come back. Thank you for your grace and your love, your mercy that never fails. We love you, Jesus.